0: You're listening to Passions and Perspectives. I'm your host, Paul Johnston.
1: I don't think I understand because I could.
0: Welcome to the Passions and Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Paul Johnston. Today on the podcast, we have Adam Smith. Adam Smith is a certified American Sign Language interpreter in Utah. He started learning ASL five years ago and has since loved immersing himself in the language and the deaf culture connected to it. He now interprets professionally in northern Utah while majoring in business management and double minoring in ASL and entrepreneurship. Signing is his passion and he loves to share and teach others everything about ASL. His goals include working with the deaf community to bring sign language into the mainstream public dialogue and help language deprived deaf individuals in third world countries gain access to sign language education.
1: Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks, Paul. I'm glad to be here. This is gonna be a good time.
0: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. And I just wanted to dive right into it. Kind of your story and how
1: you came to to have this passion for ASL. Absolutely. So, first of all, I want to just say, like, anything that I'm going to say today, I want to make sure, like, I'm not speaking for the deaf community in any way. I just really love this, and I'm going to tell about my story and how I've become really a part and tried to become a part of this community and really respect it and appreciate it. And that's really kind of where it starts. First off, um, I honestly, starting off, I really wanted to have a language credit. In my middle school. That was like literally it. I knew that I was going into high school soon and I wanted to do something with language. And I saw that my sister above me had taken a few sign language classes. Um, she'd taken this one class and had for part of it, she'd signed a song. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I'm this little middle school guy that was like, I want to, I want to start that. Later, my sister dropped it, but I kept going and I did um, sign language in high school. And I want to give a shout out to my teacher, Tiff Dodge. Um, she is the most amazing sign language teacher ever. She really immersed us in the language, helped us learn a lot of those kind of things, um, and also made it a requirement for the class to go and be in the community. We literally, we would fail the class if we didn't go and participate with the deaf community um, here in Utah. So we went to all sorts of events. And the big one that she really pulled us, pulled me to because she really wanted me to go, she felt like I would really benefit, was this trip we took to Washington, D.C., to Gallaudet University, which is the deaf university in the U.S., and at first, I was not about it. I wasn't, didn't know if I could bring the money up, but I did love signing, and I did want to go with my teacher, and there were some friends I was having, so I decided to sell a whole bunch of apples and figure out how to get myself there. And while we were there, we were silent for most of the trip. I think it was a three- or four-day trip, and we were literally quiet because we had, we had deaf chaperones that we would talk to with, with sign language, and they were the ones that were leading us all around and making sure we were okay. And our teacher required us to use sign language the whole time. And for me, as this is my junior year, um, I was not fantastic at sign language. I was okay. Um, but that was the first time that I really was like, I love this. And I was actually able to communicate with some, some of the deaf people that I had met, um, specifically a guy named Dan Mathis. Dan Mathis was the uh, – I might butcher this. He was the director – um, for the deaf, like the deaf uh, organization here in Utah that works like with the state, he was the president of that for a while, um, or at least he was on the panel. And finally, after we were walking through Washington D.C. and I was signing with him and just struggling to talk about, I think we were talking about genealogy, and I finally was getting it. I was being able to have this is like one of my first extended conversations in sign language, and I was like, I can do this, and I want this. And so I continued to learn it. I didn't take a class my senior year of high school, but my teacher kept pulling me to activities um, and helping me really appreciate what it was and recognize the talent that I did have for it. And then I kind of felt that I needed to needed to jump into it more. So I went to those activities um, and then I was eventually called on LDS mission to San Diego, where I was primarily using American Sign Language for uh, for two years. And I used it every day to talk with people in the community, to serve, to teach lessons about our, our faith and everything like that. And then while I was there, I had opportunities to interpret religious setting, in religious settings, but also just community settings. And so afterward, after I got done with that service that I did for my church, I came and I became a certified interpreter, and I've started volunteering at different places and was got certified um, through the Utah Interpreters Program. And now I'm working professionally as an interpreter and absolutely loving it. So...
0: I love that. I want to dive a little bit deeper into, so you mentioned this trip that you went on your junior junior year of high school, correct? Right. So, and you said that you pretty much didn't speak for, for those four days. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's nothing like actually um, being deaf and not being able to speak to people. But mm-hmm. what was that experience like of not speaking for those those couple of days?
1: That's a good question. It, honestly, Paul, it was like, it was so hard. It was it was really, really, really tough. You get to the end of the day, and we were allowed only to speak when our, at the very end of the day, we get into our hotel room at like 10 o'clock, and we close the door. That was the rule. close your door. You can talk to whoever's in your hotel room with you. But by the time we got there, we didn't even want to talk because our brains were so tired of signing. And, like, our brain had, I, I kind of think of it as, like, When you learn a language, there's a a switch that people talk about where they start thinking in that language. They stop thinking in their language, their first language, um, and then translate it in their brain to that second language. And then they just think in, say you're learning Spanish. You stop thinking in English to Spanish. You just think in Spanish and you speak in Spanish. And that was part of that first switch for me was when I was at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., is your brain is trying so hard to not translate everything from English to sign, from English to sign, and just start thinking in that sign language and really thinking about concepts and things like that. And I think, in my opinion, there's more of a switch because you're going from a, an audio language, an audible language that you're hearing with your ears to seeing primarily the language, right? We see language with body movement and stuff like that, but when everything that the hand does, the hands do, our language, our words and vocab and classifications and things like that. There's just a, even more of a switch where you're going from hearing language to seeing it. And that's really, it was it was it was tough, but it was, it was fun.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So I can definitely relate to that. I learned Spanish, mm-hmm. also serving in, in LDS mission. And there is that switch, right, where you start to think in Spanish and to speak in Spanish. But what you're talking about, right, so with sign language, it's all the signs. Mm-hmm. Do you visualize those in your head, like what your your hands are doing, or how how is that processed?
1: <laughs> That's also a good question. So normally what I I don't really visualize my hands. Well, sometimes I've visualize my hands doing things. Um and I wish I wish you couldn't Honestly, I wish we could show it, because but this is a podcast format, so it doesn't really work that way, but having, talking to a deaf person about how they think would even be more interesting. But for me, what I do is I visualize my hands maybe a little bit, but more I've stopped like visualizing hands and more visualizing scenes. It's like everything I, that comes into me when I'm trying to interpret something or when I'm speaking or signing an ASL, it's everything's visual. Everything is in my mind like, like earlier today, I was interpreting about um, convex and concave lenses for this physics class. And what comes into my mind is not concave, C-O-N-C-A-V-E, but is the motion of a lens that is in, going in instead of convex coming out. And like, or like we were talking about light hitting those things, all of it is visual in my brain and it stays visual. Because sometimes in, like for the English language, we take a visual thing and then we start to describe it in words, right? I think in ASL, it comes in visual and it goes out visual, right? You think visually and then, because we're all thinking of pictures, we're thinking of places we've been, stories, things we've seen, right? And you never convert it to words. It goes out in visualness. Obviously, there's like some vocab that you can help in there, but most of it just stays that visual way. You're painting a picture with your hands um, so people can see it.
0: That's super interesting, right? <laughs> that
1: that uh, the idea of it it comes in
0: visual, it stays visual, and that's not how how any of us think. And so that makes me me wonder, right? So you've obviously learned this and have gotten better at it, mm-hmm. become more and more fluent, as one would. Do you feel like you've
1: the way that you learn has switched to be more visual because of that? Hundred percent. Like not even not even a a hard question. Like ivory. Well, now that I've now that I've learned ASL and think of it so often, when I l even when I learn math concepts or when I learn like more technical concepts, I have to find a way to visualize it. Um when before before I learned ASL that was not nearly as much as I would do. But I wouldn't do that nearly as much, I mean. Um but now I, I visualize everything. Like I like in an economics class that I'm in right now, I have to visualize and see where things are going and like like when I think about like transactions that people are making in this law of demand, like they're wanting different things. I literally can picture in my mind things happening where they're, that's happening, where I see pictures of people making these purchases and people like, it's it's very very much a visual thing for me, like learning now, yeah.
0: That's super interesting. And so I know, so I want to get into to more of what, one of the, the deeper passions of ASL that you have, right? Bringing it into more, mainstream culture and mainstream language. Mm-hmm. Why is that something that you feel like would be beneficial?
1: Well, I think that the deaf community, not I think, I know that the deaf community deserves more attention than it has. It has some and people know about it, but it's not the same way that we ha Think of other groups, like maybe the, like the Latino community or the African American community or different cultural communities that we have from different countries that come to the United States. Deaf culture is a huge thing, massive thing. We have deaf cultures, it's so beautiful and rich and has so much unique beauty to it that I don't think people really get to see as much, um, partially because they just don't know that language and they don't understand what's actually going on. And so I wanna bring it into the mainstream and have people understand that ASL is a full language. It's not some codified version of English. It has its own grammar. It has its own everything. Everything that you need to make a language, um, which I'm working on learning, honestly. Linguistics is really fascinating to me. But everything that you need to make a language is there. And if people understand that, then I think they'll be able to dive into the culture a lot more and understand that, like, okay, this is is something that's really amazing. And if we bring American Sign Language to the mainstream, more people are going to actually learn it. Because I tell you what, Paul, every single person I meet, every single person I meet that figures out that I know ASL has like one of two reactions. Wow. That's super cool. Or wow, that's super cool. I've always wanted to learn. And honestly, 80% of the time it's, I've always wanted to learn. So many people want to learn ASL. It's because it's a beautiful, awesome, unique visual language that so many people want to learn. And if it's American sign language is more in the mainstream and there's ways to learn it and there's ways that people understand what it is and that it's totally accessible and they can learn it very quickly. Um, it'd be amazing. And so many people, if you bring that in mainstream now, all of a sudden people are like, okay, I'm, I'm learning ASL. I'm going to reach out to these people around me that are deaf that I've never been able to talk to before because we just don't share the same language. And I have never made the effort, but now they're going to be able to access and talk to so many amazing people that they would never would have been before. And that's just phenomenal.
0: So I want to bring it back to what you mentioned with the culture. Mm -hmm. So what is the culture like in the deaf community?
1: So from my experience, again, there's a lot of other experiences that deaf people have had. They've grown up and in it. But from my experience, every time I've met deaf people, they are so kind, so open, so forward, and so, like, just caring of people. Every time I ask a question, they're right there to answer it. Every time I mess up and I ask sincerely, like, hey, I need some help, they're there. They want to help me learn sign language. They want to help me grow. Um, they, they want to share I think that's a big part of the deaf community too, is they want to share what they have. They want to share the important things to them. Um, And part of that is sign language, right? That's what they've been sharing with me for the last forever, forever, six years, Um, last six years, like five years, I guess, since I started learning. Um, They just want to share their language with me. And as long as you're kind and open, that culture is so forward and loving and ready to share with you what, what they have and another thing is they're very like they'll bold they're bold. They'll you t- tell you what they think. They'll tell you if like I had a couple like a, a deaf one of my deaf friends um in San Diego, like like he met me and he's like, You look fatter than last time. Like they'll just say that. They'll just say things like that. Just very forward. Or like or like um they'll talk to you and be like like when I was finishing out my service, I'll be like, okay, and you're going to go on a date this time or you're going to be doing like, they'll just talk to you about, like ask very personal questions about your life and what you're doing. Um, so very forward, very loving, very sharing. How has that
0: impacted how you see the world now and how you communicate with all of your your friends, your family, right? Do you feel like that has caused you to be more forward?
1: Yes, I think so. Um, I'm definitely more forward with my family, and especially, um, like, I, especially when I I know something that like, something that I really know, I'll just say, it. and I won't have like hesitancy about it. I'll just be confident about it, or something that hurts me, or something that might be frustrating. I'll also just say it. I'll be bold and go forward, and like if my friends say something that's like not right or something that I don't agree with, I'll I'll tell them. Um, yeah, definitely more forward. How do you feel? When you are more forward? Um, that's a good question. Um, I feel better. I feel I feel like I've taken control of my life more honestly. I feel like I take control of who I am and what I what I want and what I actually feel, which is really good. And so I'll, I'll be grateful for the deaf community for doing that, helping me be more bold and really understanding that how I feel is the way I feel and like I can or what I see around me as if it's not offensive, it's not offensive. If it's not like, if it, if you think about it for more than 30 seconds, like is asking a woman her age really that offensive? How, how many years have you been on the earth? Right? Like, I don't know that. I feel like that's, that might be a little bit of me and the deaf community kind of combining because like, like to ask someone how old they are in the deaf community is not, not rude or like to ask someone like those kind of questions at least in my experience, again, there might be other deaf communities that have a little bit different and it might still be a little bit taboo, but every time I've experienced like ask someone to age and things like that, totally fine. It might be, get me in trouble every once in a while, but I still do it.
0: <laughs> now I want to ask a question that I think is very interesting. So hearing or listening to people isn't just in hearing the sound of people's voice, mm. What is listening like in the deaf community?
1: It's actually interesting. If you do the sign for listen with your hand, you take a three hand, which is your thumb pointer finger and middle finger up, and then you put it towards your ear and you like bring in the sound to your ear. But the other way that people sign listening in the deaf community is the same motion in your eyes. This is, like, to be receptive or to listen or to, like, bring in information to your eyes. And Paul can see me, like, what I'm doing right now. I know people are listening can't, but, like, it goes into your eyes. And so that's that's a huge part of the deaf community is listening is very active and you're taking in all the information through your eyes. Like, you're literally seeing everything. Um, Your receptive skills are a very important part um, of ASL. Interestingly enough, in English, we... We kind of talk about our writing skills, right? We talk about our speaking skills, like public speaking and things like that. Sometimes we neglect our listening skills, right? Um, but when we're learning any new language, you're trying to hear and understand what people are saying, right? And in ASL, it's even more. You're trying to see everything that's going on and be able to bring it into your eyes. And I think that's a cool, if you add on our our spoken language culture and our spoken language habits and the things we do um, of speaking well and trying to use words carefully at least if we're trying to speak well um and also using the listening and the taking everything in with our eyes um i think that'd be really cool like uh, being here with somebody taking in everything that they're doing how they're sitting the way that they're leaning in american sign language leaning forward means something different than leaning um just straight up and leaning back they all mean something different or like shifting yourself to your right or to your left, that means something different. You have to take in all of these details about the person to understand the whole flow of the language.
0: How has that impacted the way that you communicate with people now?
1: I totally analyze people a lot. (laughs) Like, I'll analyze how people communicate a lot. And, like, when people... When people... Again, with the culture of, like, being very forward, right? When someone says something like, I don't know, for example, like... A lot of times we say things in English when we're trying to get out of a conversation. We'll be like, well, okay, I don't, I don't know about that, but it's fine. You know that, right? Yeah, someone says, Someone says like something that you do not totally agree with, but you don't really want to talk about it. So you're just like, okay, whatever, it's fine. And I find myself a lot now being like, okay, what does that mean? Like, I, I hear how you said that. I hear what you're trying to do. I see your head kind of moving away what, what do you actually mean? Like, tell me, because that otherwise the communication is going to be useless and we're just going to go away and still not know how each other feels. So like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so I'll, I'll, I do that all the time. I'll ask people like, what did that, what is that body motion or what did that, that the way that you said that, or the, the, what was the meaning actually behind what you just said or did? I do that all the time.
0: I love that. And something that you've mentioned to me in the past was the fact that when You're speaking ASL, right? You can't look away. Like you can when we're talking together Mm -hmm. in English, like verbally. Because if you look away in in ASL, you miss something that somebody said. Mm -hmm. What is that like in ASL? And how has that impacted the way that you communicate now? And how do you think that that could be beneficial to us?
1: Well, in the deaf community... Um, from what I've experienced and what I've learned is breaking eye contact and breaking connection. Super rude, right? And I think we could definitely take a, a little bit of that advice into our own culture of when you're spot- talking with someone, be there with them. And we're all guilty of it. I'm talking with you here and all of a sudden I check my phone and I'm looking away from you. It's like, oh, okay, now and it's it's funny when you're signing too and someone looks away, you have to you pause and you're like, uh like if I sign something you're not gonna see it. So why would I even speak? Right. Or why would I even sign? And so the same thing goes, if I'm talking to someone, we're talking about our day. Yeah. It's been a good time. And all of a sudden they look away. It's like, okay, why am I even talking to you? Am I just shooting the breeze and literally our words mean nothing? Or are we actually having a conversation? Um, and I, and we're all guilty of that. I'm not, I definitely sometimes check my phone and look away when I'm talking to people, but that's definitely affected me a lot more of like, if someone, in fact, just last night I was at a I was at a party and like I was telling a story to somebody. They'd asked me a question. I was telling a story and all of a sudden they looked away and I, I just stopped and they'd hardly even noticed. And they just kept talking and something else that they were doing. And I was like, Oh, okay. So that was not actually, you didn't actually want to hear. You kind of did because you were being nice, but something else distracted you. And so I just stopped talking. I just literally ended my story and did nothing and did not continue it at all. And so I think that we could take some advice of being more focused, being with people, being there with them. Um, so yeah, there you go.
0: I think that that is something we all know we should do better. Mm-hmm. I think inherently we know we need to be present in conversations, but how often, right, in the world that we live in, we're constantly being distracted, like you said, with our phone, with other people in the room. There's and we lack that that connection. I think that's something that technology has taken away. I mean, now you can have a a phone on your wrist, right? It buzzes. Even if you're in a conversation, maybe you don't look at it, but where did your mind go? Your mind's now thinking about that, right? And so I guess metaphorically, you're looking away. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we can all do better is to be present in the moment, in conversation with people. And that'll, that kind of leads back to one of the purposes of the podcast, right? To understand people, to understand people, you have to be engaged. Mm -hmm. You have to be there with them and being and truly listening
1: and it requires a lot of effort
0: it requires a ton of effort you don't realize how much effort it's draining to really truly listen to somebody is draining
1: and empty your brain of like everything that you other you're you're caring about everything and just focus on this person and of course people in the deaf community have that problem too they're thinking about other stuff but there's definitely that cultural a little bit of a cultural push towards more focus and towards more being there with the person, especially because part of the culture also, and I think this would be cool to mention, um, deaf people don't always get the opportunity to talk to with other people that know their language, right? Because sometimes they live scattered among, uh, like pretty scattered among the hearing community. And so when they get together, they're there. They are there for those people and that's the only opportunity they're going to get this week to sign with other people, right? Except outside of their own family or maybe not even in their own family. That happens a lot. There's tons of families where only one person knows sign language. Dad doesn't know it. Mom doesn't know it. And all I do is speak just a little bit with them. Um, Like I speak, I have oral, I'm a deaf person. I have oral skills. I talk to my family, but it's not nearly as deep as signing my own natural language. And so we get together at a deaf event and all of a sudden, I'm here with someone that knows my language, and I can talk to them. That's awesome, and I want to be there for them. That's why Deaf are also notoriously, um, like that's what I was right the word lingerers. They they say goodbye and then they stay, and they say goodbye and then they stay longer, and like that's a little bit in some cultures that I especially here in Utah that there's a culture to say goodbye and then like you stay a little bit longer and goodbye. But like with Deaf people, from my experience, everywhere you it's to the extreme. It's like I say goodbye, and then an hour and a half later like we're saying goodbye again and that's because they just don't want they want to continue to have the opportunity to sign with people and i found that with me too when i find someone that knows how to sign because i love it so much i'll just sign with them and i did that uh, two or three nights ago where i found out one of my friends new sign one of my well recent friends that i'd made new sign and we just signed and it was cold outside so but we didn't want to leave because it was so fun to sign together and so i think that's another thing is like you linger you sign you want to be there with this person because this is might be the only chance you get and that's with, I mean, when we meet anybody, he might be the last time you see him. So have a good interaction leave a good impression.
0: I mentioned in your, your introduction, one of your passions is to make ASL more mainstream, mm-hmm. more commonplace among people to, to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to just to speak on that a little bit.
1: I mean, all of us, whenever we see something we don't know, we kind of get this, uh, panicked look in our eyes and we are like oh i don't know how to interact with this and that's natural to some extent um but it comes to the point where people will see people signing and they'll get panicky they don't know how to talk with them or communicate and to the point where they'll just like shut down they like don't even they won't even make an attempt because they're too scared because they have no idea how to communicate and i want to get rid of that i want to get rid of that as much as possible get it down to just a little bit of like oh they know sign okay i I'm not great at sign, but I know something and I could go and talk to them and be, have it be normal to see someone around just signing and be like, oh, yeah, they're deaf. OK, cool. I can interact with them just like I interact with other people, maybe a little bit harder. I'll fingerspell a couple things to them, uh, write down on a piece of paper, but they can be my friend. They could be someone that really inter- in affects me just like anybody else. And so I think by my passion is and what I want to do is take American Sign Language education, just blow it up even more. Just take it out of what I see right now as a very, like, psychological, um, psychological, medical, like, almost this, like, too academic type study of deafness and of how it affects the mind and how it affects everything, right? To more of, like, let's just make it so we're just different people that want to talk. Like, that's all it needs to be, um... We have our language, you have your language, let's meet in the middle and let's, let's, let's benefit from the amazing language that American Sign Language is and make it so when I see someone it's not like, wow, there's so much going on that I don't understand here, but I'm like, oh, okay, I, I sure, let's sign a little bit. I don't know a lot, but I know some. Um, And I want want to make that happen because then we could understand so much better about the deaf community. People that are in the deaf community could gain more prominence. And those ideas and those dreams and those passions that are within that community that have yet been unaccessed in some parts of the world and um, have been unaccessed in the U.S. to the full extent I think they should be, then we could. We could access it. People know what it is. People know who they are. And we're starting to see that. I mean, we see like in the most, uh, spoilers in the most recent Hawkeye, there's like signing one of the villains is deaf and they're like, Oh, I thought that was so cool. Um, or like a uh, quiet place there's signing, right? There's that spread of media where the, the girl, oh, I forget her name. Uh, she's a really great actress in the quiet place and she's the girl that's deaf. Um, that's spreading and spreading. I love to see that even though i again, I'm not deaf. And so I can't speak for them and I don't want to, but like just to be a part of them becoming more prominent and people knowing more about them is really exciting.
0: The final question that I, I want to ask you is just what does that dream look like? What does the future – what does a future that has that in it look like to you?
1: A future that has that in it to me is um, people aren't scared ever to hire a deaf person. People – the deaf community is a prominent community in the United States, more interconnected than it even is now even though it's already pretty connected. um people that learn American sign language, excuse me, people that learn American sign language in universities actually know it and use it and have friends that are deaf and have friends that know sign language. Um, because I feel like American sign language actually is the second most studied language in universities. People study all the time. And to me, I'm like, okay, then why don't we have so many more people signing? Why don't we have so many more people that, um, that interact and know this deaf community and lift their voices so to me it's it's a, a prominent deaf community with where people know that the deaf community is there how valuable it is the amazingness of their language is and that especially around the world that people know what that american sign language is not universal it is not we have Ghanaian sign language we have filipino sign language we have Mandarin Chinese sign language, we have French sign language, we have so many of those people understand that, they know that, they know that their languages, and they know that there are people that sign these things that are so amazing, and so powerful, and such could be such a powerful influence on our world, if we let them speak, and if we, if we know who they are, and how to communicate with them, yeah, that's, that's the goal, because there's just so many deaf people that I know, that I want the world to know, (laughs) because they're just amazing, and i want to know their culture. And
0: then with that, what would you say to our listeners, the people listening, what can we do to to help alleviate this to to make the world a better place?
1: Stop saying i would love to and start saying i'm going to. I'd love to learn sign language. Yeah, i'd love to have a Ferrari. Okay? If this is something that is so accessible and so so much i i in my opinion it's 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 still a full language don't get me wrong it is a very much a codified full complete language it's easier to learn than other languages like chinese comparatively to chinese american sign language is much easier in my opinion and i think i learned it it took it took me a while but it's very accessible and getting the basics is very accessible so i would say to to the listeners learn it go try something go go start looking up the hand alphabet memorize a hand alphabet it'll take you a day Not even joking. It will take you not even a day to memorize that. Um, And then watch out for maybe what I'll do in the future. I'm trying to make this app that makes learning more accessible and connects people, um, connects people that want to learn ASL to each other and to deaf mentors. And then another thing, and you see a deaf person out in public, don't be afraid. Don't panic. Don't get that wide eyed look where you're like, I don't know what to do. They're just people just like us. They're just people. They have a cool, amazing language. And if you've all if you ever thought, man, I would love to learn sign language, go for it. Try it. Start googling stuff, start looking in your community especially. See if there's a community center for the deaf in your area. They're not all over the place, but there are some. Um see if there's like deaf Facebook groups in your area. See if like go up and talk to that deaf person that you've seen on the bus a few dozen times and never talked to them. Just try. Go for it. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks Paul.
0: This podcast was produced and edited by Paul Johnston. Special thanks to Cole Hunter for the music and Megan Rasmussen for the research. You can contact us at passions.perspectives at gmail.com.